this is such a deep point. Who's meditating? <laughs> that's that's a deep inquiry. But it all starts with just sitting, taking some time and closing the eyes. And like the the answer to why we should meditate will unfold by itself. When we just give that space some attention, like it's an infinite well of love waiting for us inside ourselves, just like ready, you know, ever ready for us to just put our attention there and turn into turn towards it and just recognize it for the treasure that it is and that just takes one moment and then that's there because once we've seen it it's there and it's, it, it doesn't close again it might be covered it might seem unreachable in some moment but if we then sit and we go against our own preference to just keep going outward to try and solve whatever situation is playing in our thoughts when we drop that and we go within It always reveals itself. Welcome to A Curious Yogi Podcast. I'm your host, Bobby, here to illuminate your practice as we discover what it means to walk the yogi's path. Together with wise friends and awakening teachers, we uncover the answers to our greatest questions. I'm so delighted you're here. Now let's get curious. A great delight to introduce my friend and fellow satsangi, Zinya Anna Bowman, to the show. Zinya is the founder of the Amaram Cafe, an online platform for meditation and deep self-inquiry. Zinya has a background in international management and 10 years of meditation practice under her belt. She has guided and coached dozens of people all around the world on their path of inner peace and self-empowerment. Over the last seven years, she has spent the majority of her time in the Indian Himalayas, immersed in the study of how to live life in truth and love. Mm, I love that. (laughs) At her virtual Amram Cafe, she offers online courses and study groups where she welcomes anyone who wants to explore their own true, authentic, free self. So this season, A Curious Yogi is inspired by exactly what lights you up, Sinya, that power of self-inquiry. So it's a complete joy to welcome your beauty and your brilliance to the show. Oh, I'm very honored to be here. This is kind of like a long time coming, but we also kind of have been having podcast conversations before there was like even a podcast True. because we just hang out <laughs> and we have satsang and it's like so perfect, you know? Yeah. So it's a great chance to share our satsang and the shared appreciation that we have of Mm -hmm. the knowledge and uh, Swamiji's teachings uh, with the listeners. Mm -hmm. And you're such a brilliant meditator, such a brilliant meditation teacher. So I think that there's going to be a lot of good nuggets of wisdom that you can share with the listeners from your many, many years of not only meditating and uh, studying yourself, but of sharing it with others. It's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And so I'll just start by appreciating you, really, the sincerity of your practice and um, your beautiful voice, which we'll get to hear later, <laughs> and just how much I love you and appreciate you being here. Oh, thank you so much, Bobby. <laughs> I love that you're doing this, and I love that we can share not only between ourselves, but with the whole world in this way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's it's kind of like, you know, the knowledge is so brilliant and beautiful and generous Mm -hmm. in itself that it's like so 
readily available mm. for everyone. So yeah, and it's easy to share when we are practicing in our everyday life with every new situation that comes mm -hmm. that there's a new inspiration and that's worth sharing because in essence we all have pretty much the same experiences but the details are different mm -hmm. but then we can learn so much from each other like I learn from you every time and like we hear something in in satsang or in a conversation and it mm -hmm. just totally um is applicable and that's that's the beauty of this knowledge here right that mm -hmm. um it's so alive mm, nice that's a nice way to put it yeah. like it is alive it's like a, it's permeated into everybody and everything mm. so before we get like so down into our side screen because i know that we'll go let's just start i want to ask you to share a bit of your journey. How does young girl finishing university in Germany wind up living most of your year and a lot of your life in India, studying in an ashram, having that whole experience? What has that journey been like for you? Oh, it's so nice, actually, when you just kind of paint that picture. I get so filled with gratitude that we get to do this mm -hmm. and um, that there is a place on this earth where we can dive into this knowledge which I was looking for, like when I was studying um, in a small town in Germany, I, towards the end of my studies, I was like, okay, so what's going to come next? And then all my friends could say to me when I wanted to have some deeper conversations, we're like, well, now you're going to have, you find a nice husband and have some kids and buy a house, maybe somewhere in Bavaria. <laughs> oh, Bavaria. <laughs> That's what we were studying. Oh, okay. Um, And I got more and more frustrated by this. And um, just by some like big coincidence, really, or fate, whatever, I, I met Dr. Petra Srinku, who was on your podcast yes, before. Yes, she was. Great episode on love and oneness. So, yeah. Shout out. Yeah, we'll shout out that. I'll put, I'll put that episode in the notes because it's a good one. Yeah. Um, and she, like, I ended up staying at the hospital where she and my dad were working and she taught me how to meditate that night and like it really felt like all my questions were answered that night I totally spaced out like I I didn't know how long we were sitting there and she just said sit and observe your thoughts and see that the one who's observing is free mm -hmm. and so all the doubts all the questions all everything I was striving for was part of the thoughts and not of the observer. And that totally, um, that brought so much peace to my, to, to, to my urge to find meaning. Mm -hmm. And um, then I started doing that every day. And I noticed more and more how my whole system kind of relaxed. I would get into, like, I, I would be so emotional. Like, in my teens, I was <laughs> unbearably emotional. And... That stopped. <laughs> We're saying that way. I mean, it, it calmed yeah. down a lot. Mm. Like things that could go on for days just kind of wrap themselves up in like a few minutes. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, then, then I, it came time to write my thesis. And I asked 15 of my friends if they want to meditate with me for 10 weeks. And we kind of just have a very personal study of what happens to them. And like every one of them had like less less stress, obviously at the end. Like and after each meditation, they also recorded and an overall well being that was just m much higher than before. Mm 
And um, yeah, that was kind of the confirmation that this is really something worth doing for myself and worth sharing because it's so easy to share, especially when you do it yourself. You might as well just invite somebody to sit with you and do it with you. Mm-hmm. And uh, then in in that time when I was when I had that time free from university to write my thesis, I came here to Kulu uh, the first time and. I mean, Swamiji just took my whole thesis and all my knowledge about meditation that I had acquired to a whole nother level. And um, yeah, just that huge shift in perspective from I am, a, I am a, a girl, I am like this and that age, and I can settle my nervous system, I can deal with things, I can make my life more pleasant for myself and for those around me, to I'm watching all of this. And I can steer the system that I have, but whether or not it responds and it, it turns out this way, it turns out that way, I remain free mm. no matter what. And I still strive for happiness. I still strive for, for beauty, but I'm not bound to experiencing it. Mm. My happiness isn't bound in that. And I think that's just so phenomenal and so different to all the other um, meditation approaches that I have come across on my journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a kind of freedom that I know that it's different because of the freedom element that it takes the meditator to mm-hmm. by meditating on nowhere just to come exactly like you said into that space of knowing that you are not that. Like yeah. it's all present within yourself, but it's not you. It's a such a almost mm. radical approach, you know? I just read something really beautiful. Yeah, go um, for it. It's, it's exactly what we're talking about. It's, it's what the Avadut Gita. Is, I love that. I, yeah. yeah oh, it's, I mean, all these Gitas, all these songs, they're just full of knowledge. They all have kind of a different focus. And this one is really so absolute. I opened it to this verse. It says, I am free from the obvious and the unobvious. I just paused reading this to kind of let it sink in. And the obvious is like what I see and what I make out of my life experience. And then the unobvious is what I think or also the deeper things that that are ingrained in my being, like just by having grown up in a certain culture or from my ancestors, maybe something has been passed on. And But it just includes all of that. Mm-hmm. And it, it's so radical because it's, I mean, I'm free from the unobvious. And the obvious. So it's all included. And what remains is me, free. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because people, it seems like, want to get free on, on like, generally on a more relative field. Like, Mm. even I know myself, I used to equate freedom to, like, very much what's obvious. And then I think the deeper kind of work that people start to do, then we want to get free of the unobvious, like our patterns, our conditionings, Mm. our, you know, things the way that we function our nerve you know these things that we can't see with the eye but Mm. like just to have it enclosed in one verse like actually you're free from it all kind of just such a liberation to hear that totally and also to see that focusing on your own free being takes care of everything Mm -hmm. and I don't have to go I want to be free from this thought pattern I want to be free from this situation Mm -hmm. I want it's very particular and I can work on that particularly but I can also take myself out 
completely and be free of all of it. And mm -hmm. I don't lose anything really. Mm -hmm. And I come back totally refreshed into this and can deal with the obvious and the unobvious. But um, from a place of clarity and freedom, really. Mm -hmm. But the last part of this verse says, oh, actually it says, I am free from power as well as weakness, which I also think is so beautiful. And then, how shall I describe myself with these words? If I am of the nature of freedom or liberation, totally free from such a disease or dis-ease of thinking as thinking I am this or I am that. Mm. And I think that is always like the, <laughs> that is one, like a Mahavakya, mm -hmm. like a wise expression that just always brings me back. Mm -hmm. I'm free from the disease of thinking I'm this or I'm that. And I think that is really what the really special thing about this kind of meditation is, that um, we're taking out the duality. We're looking at what is the sense of duality. Mm -hmm. And like Swamiji always says, it's a sense, it's not a reality. It's just a sense, mm -hmm. and it comes and goes. Mm -hmm. And what's left, when we look at it, and when we see it, We can't see it from sitting in the same pond as duality. Mm -hmm. Like we see it from a place of freedom from mm -hmm. that. So for the sake of the listeners, what is this meditation? Oh right. You know, like I love in the verse how it's like we are you are free from weakness and, and power. We, you are free from obvious and unobvious. But how do we get as mm. the meditator are the one who's in meditation get to that place? Of, mm. of knowing that we are free yeah and that's so good because it it brings me always back to that moment when I met Petra because she made it so clear and it's so simple actually that's that's the beauty of this meditation that it's so simple there's all the things that we experience and there is somebody watching there's an awareness that is watching that is not involved in any of it and it's always there and whenever we check when we actually turn our attention within and we don't keep going with the senses outside and even with the sense of our own mind keep rotating when we withdraw from that and we just focus even on the space in front of our closed eyes it falls away it just falls away because it's not the reality it's our perception in the moment and that changes all the time also but when we withdraw our attention from it it just falls away and that is i mean that is such a transformative experience in itself mm -hmm. that my whole life my whole reality just by withdrawing my attention is not existent anymore mm -hmm. what do you say to those meditation students that say oh i can't meditate i have too many thoughts mm -hmm. or i can't get into the seat of mm -hmm. the knower that watcher space Like, what would you say to that student? Well, it's like that intelligence, that awareness is is powering everything, really. Mm -hmm. All our thoughts need an awareness to be known. So each thought that appears or each sound that appears can be a guide back to well, who's knowing it. Mm -hmm. And then that that is already that's that space of knowingness and It, it sees everything, but it's not disturbed by it. So when, when I sit and I meditate, 
and thoughts are coming and coming and coming, then I can see them and I can, well, also see, okay, I, I'm just watching them. If they're too much, I can focus on my breath. I can bring in a mantra. I can focus on the little gap between the thoughts and just see which one's going to come next. And then most of the time the gap expands even. And it's like, there's just this space. And yeah, it kind of, it. the perspective changes from this is my reality and there is a little gap in between it maybe between my thoughts to there's a space that wraps my whole experience in itself. So the space is that which, which I can kind of anchor myself in. I can, I can sit in the space and then see, oh, there's a thought and there it went. But I remain. I remain before the thought is there. The thought comes. I'm still there. Thought goes. I'm still there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or like I love the um, the description or example or the question. That's why I've heard Swamiji ask people, and I've actually never heard it really anywhere before. Where he'll say like that sense of I that was there when you were a child mm-hmm. that said I am when you were a teenager that mm-hmm. said I am. And now says I am, when you're old will say I am, before you were a mother says I am, mm-hmm. I know you're not a mother, but like, you know, <laughs> for example, like that's such a big identification that comes on that changes someone's yeah. sense of identification or sense of self. Mm-hmm. But actually the sense of I am is right. always there, like you said, whether your thoughts come or go, whether mm-hmm. you're doing this or that, like what is that sense of I am? Yeah, I mean, that is that is so freeing. Because that sense of I am, that's the basis, right? Then suddenly I see it's not the world that is the basis and I'm coming in and then I'm going. But actually the sense of I is the basis. And the world comes and goes in my in my experience. All night there's no world and then in the morning the world comes. Mm-hmm. And before I was there, but I was pure. I didn't have any role put on. And then the waking state kind of presents itself in front of me, in front of my eyes, my senses get all engaged and want to experience. And so then these roles come and I take them on and I say, yes, like this, I'm like that. Um, but that's where the sh- the shakiness comes in. He said, he called it the weakness of individuality, the weak-mindedness of individuality. Mm. where it becomes unstable when now I'm my role. And if somebody says it's good, I'll feel good. But if somebody says it's bad, I'll feel bad. Mm-hmm. And that can also still go on because we're not turning into rocks. Like we still care about the space of the people around us. And if they don't like something, we can feel that. Mm-hmm. And whether they say it or not. But when we have this this space to retreat to, that that I space, that is the same in the person that is talking to me, whether they know it or not. It's the same I, the same awareness as the basis of, of our interaction, our experience. Mm-hmm. And then I can kind of take a step back and don't have to suffer and enjoy and that whole ride with with the role that I'm perceiving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know for me, because I also am very sensitive and when I was younger, so emotional. Mm-hmm. and And I see after now nine years of meditating regularly how the the roller coaster is still going on Mm. yes it's more subtle and i think you know a lot it has to do with a lot of things however meditation is kind of 
it has it's it has made the nervous system more regulated mm. on a physiological level but i think more so it's allowed me the space to not be so involved in the roller coaster i can then take a step out and just watch my nervous system going and mm. it's it's such a more sweet kind of yeah. space to exist in as like compassionate to myself as like mm. well this is what god gave me this is the nervous system i got there's like kind of an acceptance because i can because of the practice of meditation there's that mm. distance that you're talking about mm. so i'm wondering for you like since meditating regularly now for seven eight years how has your life shifted or how have you seen the shifts within your own system or perception mm. or experience of just being in the world you know mm. of being i love the term like holding two truths at once like you're both human you're here you're functioning you're surviving you're doing it all and you're knowing yourself as the pure space right right i think what becomes more and more clear is that really it's the space doing everything mm. and then um in in the world when i act like this or like that it's much easier to say well it's all fine actually like you just said i've been given this nervous system and i'm observing this nervous system and it's I can hold myself, like I can, this nervous system, when it's agitated, it needs just to be held mm -hmm. and not to be criticized by m myself. <laughs> yeah, it's so interesting how we're like the most critical to our own selves. Like, Yeah, and it's like, it's such a, it's so sad that we waste so much energy on that when we have the option, and that's what the meditation shows, like when we can sit in meditation with the eyes closed and don't mind the thoughts, that trains us also to be non-judgmental towards our thoughts when we do have our eyes open and we are engaged. Um, just to, when I notice, oof, I'm, I'm, I'm getting kind of heavy on myself. Okay, so what, what am I, where am I getting in, like what am I getting into? Can I take myself out of that? And from that out of that perspective, it's like, okay, my my dear, my dear mind, you may see fault in me, but I'll never see fault in you. Mm, I've heard you say that one before. Say that again. I, you may find fault in me, but I'll never find fault in you. My dear mind. My dear mind. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> Do you ever written down somewhere that oh, I would write that down? <laughs> yeah. I have it written in probably every notebook that I have. Because <laughs> mm -hmm. that play of the mind being unsatisfied just never stops. Mm -hmm. But we, like, and that is where it translates into the, li into the everyday life, is that instead of just chasing one thing after the other, which the mind is like, if you just have this, then, oh, you'll be forever happy. You'll have, you know, whatever you, you have, everything you want. It, like, it just presents the same, like, it's the same state of being with a different objective to attain. And it's just like, okay, this is a 10 great. I have the next one. I have the next one. And then we can follow that. But that's like, that's unending. Mm -hmm. And through meditation, we come to see actually the state of desiring something or feeling a lack or feeling I need something changes by itself when I put my attention back on myself where I'm actually already totally complete and mm -hmm. filled up. Mm -hmm. I love the visualization of, of the mind being absorbed in the space. It's mm -hmm. not denying the mind and the ego right. and the intellect because, of course, they... They function, they keep us alive, they help. They, yeah. We need them, of course. You know, 
Because there's this kind of sometimes in spiritual conversations or circles like that you know we got to be egoists or like mm. that the ego mm. is bad and i i mm. love this just sense of absorbing the ego it's yeah. not denying it or pushing it away it's actually when just like you said when we come into that space where it's all all right. is included yeah. Yeah. in the non-dual state right like and how the individual is what did swami say the individual is uh, weak-minded yeah or weak actually yeah because as soon as we think that i am this small individual yeah. i it's just separation yeah. we like unplugged ourselves <laughs> yeah but when we plug in yeah. then it's like the individual is still there as a part of the whole mm. but when we think mm. we're an individual unplugged it's it's a scary lonely yeah, place totally. out there this world yeah and swamiji also said um to be egoless means that you have made yourself your ego so vast that it includes the whole world mm, nice. <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah there's there's either you say i'm not even i'm not even here like i withdraw completely in meditation for example and I, i'm taking myself out or you say every everything i experience i experience on the basis of my awareness so nothing is separate from my awareness and essentially from me and then nothing can really hurt me or i mean my my nervous system can still go up and down and everything but um yeah it's just i don't know you see the perfection of it all in in mm-hmm. a in a in a new light when you're not there as one figure to judge it mm-hmm. because it's not really what i think in my mind what perfection looks like mm-hmm. and also in this way that the perfection is there even when there's suffering when there's joy as humans I, and especially as humans coming from privileged western mm. countries there's this sense that things should always be fine really but true. as we know the waking state is ever changing and yeah. if we experience joy and happiness in life we will inevitably experience suffering and pain and loss so Meditation is such the gift that it allows the space to yeah. know that suffering is there but I am not the one that is suffering. Yeah. Which Yeah. I know for me when I've been in times of suffering since becoming a meditator it's been like the greatest anchor that's or maybe it's either the anchor or like the release that's like helped liberate me from that it doesn't mean diminishes it because we have to experience yeah. you know, those parts of being a human. Yeah, yeah. And um I think I read that one time um in one of my 108 days of prioritizing peace. Oh, um, I love that you did that. That was so great. But he said something like somebody asked him a question, Swamiji, and said, "So when I lose when I lose my stability, when I lose my my clarity, should I treat it that I have lost myself essentially?" And he said, "No." you never lose yourself you never lose that which you are whether you're weeping whether you're laughing whether like whatever the experience is this is it's it's like in the dream mm-hmm. and the dreamer is like even when we have a dream this could be a dream right now and we're we're experiencing as if there are two which is the same in the waking state but then we wake up and it's like well there was nobody else i wasn't even there mm-hmm. But it seems so real, but that's the play. 
and there might be suffering in the dream, there might be joy in the dream, but I think like meditation expands your vision so much that you, you know, the further you zoom out, the smaller the the problem becomes also, and the the gravity of the suffering. Nice. And when you zoom out so much that you're the infinite vast space, yeah. it's like, oh, okay, that's just a happening. <laughs> that's just a happening, like a blip in yeah. the in the line. Yeah. And and then it's so beautiful also mm-hmm. because you can hold yourself with that. Mm-hmm. You can say it's fine. Like, I I see that the way you are experiencing that situation right now it makes you sad, and that's totally fine. Mm-hmm. But that's part of the perfection. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't take away from the peace that mm-hmm. is inside. And when we then do like mantra or something, at some point also that, it, as harsh as it may seem, the situation, it, it, it also dissolves if we manage, and that's not easy, to mm, guide our attention, redirect it to something that is more strengthening in that situation mm-hmm. than that thought or that conclusion mm-hmm. that makes us so... Mm-hmm. miserable yeah and and then i love what the point that you said about you know that the self is never covered when when you lose the clarity because rather than rather than even just hearing that is a kind of relief because then i know that i don't have to go seeking self yeah to remember self is is me mm-hmm. is it is all there like mm-hmm. the only thing i need to do is sit and meditate and uncover the yeah. self which is always there it's where it's it's never it's been separate anyway. <laughs> from me it's yeah. never been separate but there's you know cuz like you said before explaining desires and this sense of and i know even doing this podcast hearing so many people's spiritual journeys of mm. being a seeker and being dissatisfied in the world but then once coming into this practice or meditation yoga spirituality whatever there's kind of a a gratitude for the dissatisfaction mm. that at the moment it was like a sense of frustration or lack or something but actually that was just the self mm. guiding you towards the self right. you know yeah. but in the in if you don't have the knowledge if you don't have someone there to tell you if you don't have a teacher or a wise person or any of those things it can be a lonely kind of place yeah you know and i think that's why we are so lucky but mm. and why it's also important to share meditation because yeah. Yeah. It is so accessible for everyone. Yeah, one friend here, man, he once said, it's like we found the key and now, you know, you have to share it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you found something that really works mm-hmm. and um, that's kind of what it feels like. Mm-hmm. Right? There's such a relief just in, in being able to close the eyes. And Swamiji often says it's not easy to close the eyes and I always was like, well... <laughs> I don't really see how that would be difficult, but it's not the physical thing that is hard, but mm-hmm. to close your eyes to, toward that which is so real for you. To I mean, you're taking yourself out of your whole reality in that moment and you're allowing it to just be what it is and I'm going to be with myself now. And like also myself, like I think that's, yeah, that might be worth touching on because maybe not it everybody is trying to be with themselves because that doesn't really mean anything. I don't know. 
Um, yeah, no, that's a good point. But um, like, I well, mean, there is a lot of talk about authenticity, mm-hmm. and we all want to be in line with who we are, and that that is most of the time more like in the on this on this physical field, right? And on or the mental or the emotional. Like I want to be mm-hmm. clear and 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 authentic. Mm-hmm. No, it makes sense. And also, I think just because language kind of limits us, English language, you know, yeah. and we know some Sanskrit words, there's the whole Sanskrit language, like a lot of the words, like don't even really translate into English yeah. words where we can describe like what is self, you know, mm-hmm. like what is self mm-hmm. when we're used to saying myself with, yeah. you know, and there's a differentiation there. I mean, it's all inclusive, but maybe you can touch on what is self? What is what is that space when we speak of self? Mm. The other day in satsang, somebody said um, one comparison that you could make is that when you look into the eyes of another being, you see a light there. And Swamiji, yeah, that's... Swamiji said, that's a great description of the self. That's the great way where you can see it's all the same. The same light in me is looking at the same light in you, and that light is pure. And that self that we encounter inside ourselves is the same purity, and this is just a state of pure existence, awareness. Then we can add all these words to describe it, but really just our presence is our self, and then whatever comes on top is I am this, 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 that, that, that. And then we all differ, because our roles are, and we look different, our roles are different, our thoughts are different. But the essence of life, that's, that's, that's what Swamiji describes as the self, and that's what we can validate and, and confirm for ourselves in meditation, and then beyond meditation. Mm-hmm. It's a kind of like personal laboratory. Yeah. It's a personal laboratory or examination of that which is not personal, mm, which nice. is which yeah. is kind of the blessing of being able to do this work, mm. the work of sadhana, which in the way that we are able to do it, not and, everybody yeah. that is, people mm. that are householders and things, sure they can't come to India. And, and study in, a, in this way. But the beauty of meditation, and even Swamiji so often says, like the other day I heard him say, one minute plus one minute is 11 minutes. So you do 11 minutes, or however many minutes, it's all about your freedom, but that actually at any time, at anywhere, at any point, mm. in the whole existence of a human, and maybe after the age of, say, five, I don't know, <laughs> but for like a 100 years, basically, all you need to do is sit and close your eyes, yeah. and then you you know yourself as that. Yeah. But so many people don't have that knowledge yeah. or information, you know? Yeah. So where do you think meditation needs to go, like, to be shared in this, with, in this world, you know? Like, where do you see it kind of expanding outward or... or I think really the most um, impactful way is when one meditator shares it with a friend. <laughs> like, you know, 
Each mm-hmm. one who has personally been touched shares it with somebody who is personally interested because that's what it also needs, right? It needs this it needs an openness to think in a completely different way because if we meditate but we stick to our old thinking, also there will be a limit to the transformation that can happen. And so it kind of needs an openness and a safe space for this new perspective to come in. And then that perspective change is what is often missing when people start meditating and they sit and they have all these thoughts and they're like, yeah, well, nice. Obviously I can't meditate. But it's like the one who observes the thoughts is the same and will be the same even after 10 years of meditation and there will be only 10% of the thoughts that you have right now. Or 1%. (laughs) (laughs) No, just that that little shift. And like Swamiji said, that should be broadcasted on the satellite. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Which it is right now with Zoom and over your podcast. Yeah, (laughs) true. So true. And I mean, I guess meditation is becoming more mainstream now or mindfulness. Like you see Mm. more and more people... I think as the world does become more polarized and divided and kind of a crazy place Mm -hmm. to be, like there is also this draw to Mm -hmm. find some sense of serenity and peace. And like, what is that sense of serenity and peace that every individual really desires? Mm -hmm. And that's just knowing your own self, right? Yeah, yeah. That's knowing that even though you might belong to this camp or that camp or have been brought up in this or that way, that is part of the layers that are on top of yourself. That is not who you are. And that that being what you are is always in oneness with every everything and every being it meets, really, in essence. And we have we have the power to see that. But then we have to let go of our conditioned thinking. Which is a challenge. Yeah. <laughs> because that ego just loves it and the mind mm. loves it you know and I think there's a sense that we love it too Mm. you know that I I love to be a yoga teacher I love to be a sadhak I love to be a girlfriend I love to be a daughter Mm. I have all these roles that I really cherish and these identifications that add so much fullness to my life and there's many that make me feel small but you know that's the kind of trickster of the mind i heard a quote somewhere maybe it was swami maybe it was someone else who said god is the biggest trickster and it's true because but ego isn't just like a bad thing ego also means like we celebrate these good qualities as well so that kind of letting go of those identifications and conditionings is a big work I mean actually it doesn't mean that we have to do anything Mm. right Mm -hmm. it just means seeing yeah this is this is playing out and this is how I am Mm. like this is just how how this life plays out and this is perfect I don't I kind of have I have to be here like Mm -hmm. it's like playing a a video game without being any figures like no fun at all because I'm not in it I want to be in it. Yeah, and like this is the story that I got given. This yeah. is the, the this is how yeah. it is. So we got to play the game. We have to be in the in yeah. the in the Maya. Yeah. And, and you know, it's 
it's it's the Maya, it's yeah. illusion. And, yeah. well, and Swamiji always said, you have the power not to make yourself miserable, and you should use it. And that is like such a, this is like the main rule for the game of life that nobody has ever told anybody, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. Like, it's not, it's not something that we learn in school. Like, you're going to do all these things and you're going to become better at this and that and that and you're going to have strength and weaknesses, but you're going to learn how to deal with all of it. The essence is you know that you're perfect as you are. Mm -hmm. You're fine and you came into this like like into a dream and it's all it's all going to unfold in its in it, it however it unfolds mm -hmm. but you are actually free throughout and you can know that and come back to it whenever you need a recharge you can close your eyes and just kind of mm -hmm. um put your attention on yourself for a moment and you're not shutting off anything you're not running away from anywhere because you open your eyes again you're still there but you have a clean slate and now you can really play instead of just feeling burdened by everything. It is interesting, though, how the intellect and the mind wants to, as if, claim that power. Mm -hmm. And of course, we need the intellect and the mind to move toward, move the attention, the awareness towards that space. But again, it's, you know, that sense of like that I am doing the meditation. Right. Versus, like, the meditation really is doing me. You know? <laughs> it, but this is that, it's also, I guess, this is the part of the observation of your own self, like recognizing our, like you said before, about our patterns and our thoughts. And they all are individual because we all are individual people. However, what is the space that is not individual right. in the seat of meditation? Yeah. And I mean, we can go in so deeply, like, yeah. this is such a deep point, who's meditating? <laughs> that's, that's a deep inquiry. Um, but it all starts with just sitting, taking some time and closing the eyes. And like the, the answer to why we should meditate will unfold by itself. Mm -hmm. Like, when we just give that space some attention, like it's, it's like an infinite well of love waiting for us inside ourselves just like ready ready you know ever ready for us to just put our attention there and turn into turn towards it and just recognize it for the treasure that it is and that just takes one moment and then that's there because once we've seen it it's there and it's, it, it doesn't close again it might be covered it might seem unreachable in some moment but if we then sit and we go against our own preference to just keep going outward to try and solve whatever situation is playing in our thoughts, when we drop that and we go within, it always reveals itself. And that's, that's the grace. That's, that's really from beyond. That's not something we can do. But we can open ourselves to receive the grace. Mm, beautiful. I think that's a beautiful segue into a spontaneous <laughs> few minutes meditation and even when you express that as like that love space and I just know you have such a devotion and love in the way that you meditate and practice so mm -hmm. we'll just invite the listeners to close their eyes and take a dip in that space you can guide us into meditation Sinya, and then guide us out with the song when you're ready
Thank you so much for this beautiful setting because that already opens the mind towards its own source. And when we sit now, we can bring our attention to the space in front of our closed eyes. The vastness of this dimensionless space. And just become aware of the quality that this space has. Infinite, free, pure. There's nothing that is included or excluded that can be added or taken away. That space is just completely full, self-effulgent. And then we become aware that actually I'm looking at this space, but I'm in no way able to separate myself from it. It's in front of me, it's in my sides, it's all around me, it's behind me, it's on top of me, it's below. When we just pay attention to what we are experiencing right now with our eyes closed. then there is a space that is unbroken. And the sounds that we hear or the thoughts that we observe do not change the space at all. And when this space seems too abstract, you can also put your attention on your breath, which is such a beautiful companion in your meditation. Because it's always there, it's just flowing innocently, effortlessly, in and out. And you can guide it deep into your belly. And watch how every outbreath allows the whole system to relax. Which is essential if we want to go deeper within ourselves and broaden our thinking. It is really, really helpful to establish a sense of ease and peace in our body and mind. And as the breath keeps flowing in and out, You can see that there's somebody there watching. If 
from a totally uninvolved perspective. And this cannot be anybody else but you. You and your purest existence, unformed, unnamed. In this space of pure observation, this space of freedom is also described in the mantra that Swamiji gave us. Amaram ham, madhuram ham. My being is free, and my being is in itself fulfilled. So, any time when you sit and you feel like you need something to focus on because the mind is so busy, the thoughts are rushing through. You can just introduce the mantra, Amaram Ham, Madhuram Ham. And if that's too much, just say Ham and repeat it in your head as fast or as slow as you need it in that moment. Ham. I am pure. I just am. Watching, observing, aware of this whole life experience, and I remain free, and that's why I can play, and play so freely, so fearlessly. And to come out of meditation I'll sing for you a song about this life experience and the source that it all originates from which is you And in this song, we call it He, but you can think of it as anything that you connect to, yourself, the universe, your own purity. He made the stars to sparkle in the sky for you. He made the moon to smile out of the night for you. 
ask you one last final question to leave the listeners with. If you're thinking of the listeners out there, maybe experienced meditators or those new to meditation, what would you invite those listeners to inquire or question during their practice? I think normally our attention goes a lot with the question, what is happening? And maybe why is it happening? And if we can turn that towards who is seeing it, I think that is a really worthwhile inquiry in every situation. Beautiful. It's a beautiful point to contemplate. And if the listeners want to connect with you or meditate with you, mm. where can they find you? I have my Amram Cafe, and that's um, where the upcoming courses and classes will, will all be up, up there. Okay, I'll put the website in the show notes. And yeah, thank you so much for being here. I just love you and appreciate you as one of my dearest satsangis and sweet friends. So thank you. Thank you, Bobby. And I know we kind of went all over the place, but that's the beauty of the satsang when the self-inquiry is sparked and then you meet together and you share your findings and your revelations and you just fly. So <laughs> thank you. We flew. It was great. Thank you. Thank you. Love you so much. You too. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed what you heard, please leave a review. It really helps the show reach more people. If you'd like to have your greatest spiritual questions answered on the show, send them to me through social or email. And don't forget to follow on your favorite streaming platforms. Let's stay curious, connected, and keep walking the path together. Music graciously offered by Heidi Herdaya Groschler. In oneness and delight, this is Bobby signing off until next time.